So here we are. We're back again. <laughs> You're going to do this every time. <laughs> what? Be surprised that we're recording a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> kind of make it sound like it's a, a burden that we're... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. God. Hi everybody. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. Bad news. Yeah. <laughs> bad news. It's time uh it's time to laugh, I'm afraid. <laughs> or not. Do whatever you want. Eeyore the sad improv donkey's back. I do love Eeyore. <laughs> Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to Mad About Mad About You, your weekly Mad About You recap podcast. I am still Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. How's it going, bud? Well, it feels a little weird because normally we end the intro with you laughing at something I said. And that did not happen this time. (laughs) Didn't bring it. Didn't bring it. You got to step up your game. Yeah, that's a bad omen. It's not. It's not. It's a singular instance. Don't let it get in your head. Well, it's impossible not to, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how are you i'm good i'm good what's doing oh i went to the um now hear this podcast festival not too long ago yeah which is a lot of fun uh who did i see comedy bang bang was there they still and do that yeah they still oh, do a lot wow. of episodes that's a lot they must have a lot a lot of episodes now um yeah they do <laughs> they have a lot of episodes now. it's weird doesn't Double G- WTF have like 600 or something? I think significantly more than that. Comedy Bang Bang just hit 500 of like a little while ago. And before that, it was Death Ray, right? Or whatever? Death Radio? Yeah, it was, Death Ray it was Radio? Com- it was Comedy Death Ray Radio, and then it became Comedy Bang Bang, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of talking. A lot of talking, a lot of time. I mean, man, a lot of characters. Uh, a whole lot, yeah. Can you it's, imagine uh, having really 600 conversations with 600 different people? Do you think any with, of us with, have done that? With all those fake people? No, I'm bouncing back and forth between WTF and... Uh, Bang, bang. Oh, come on. Keep up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 600 conversations. No, I um, that is significant. It's weird how like because I was listening to there was an ad for Jesse Thorne's. Yeah. Over the Hit summer. The he target. Had a, yeah. Right? Yes. Right. That's what it's called. It may be called bullseye. Bullseye. But I think, <laughs> yeah. yeah there's that's a missed opportunity <laughs> to not call it. Hit the target. <laughs> well, if he ever wants a longer title. But he. <laughs> yes. Means the same thing. He also had a show called The Turnaround. You mean the uh, three point turn? <laughs> <laughs> that is not the same thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. <sighs> so he had a podcast called The Turnaround where he interviewed interviewers. So he interviewed Terry Gross and Werner Herzog. Yeah, a whole bunch it. of other. Yeah, you, you know what an interviewer is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And he interviewed Mark Marin, and it's just like, wow, yeah, I guess he's an interviewer. And oh, I know yeah. that that's, you know, that's what his podcast is, but it's still just like, it's just like, oh, comedian Mark Marin, also one of the best interviewers of our time. Sure, sure. It's weird how it happened. Yeah, real interviewer for the 21st century. Yeah. Yeah, no structure. No structure. No yeah, prep. they just talk. Who could listen to that? Just talk. <laughs> kind of like Stern. Kind of like Stern. Kind. I mean. Did Jesse Thorne have Stern on? I think he might have. I'm oh, not I certainly hope so. <laughs> you know what? Now's the time for you to write a strongly worded letter to Jesse Thorne. I'll consider Dear it. Mr. Thorne, this <laughs> summer you should have had Howard Stern on your show. Also, your podcast should be called I'm Gonna Go in the Other Direction Now. <laughs> 
I like it because it's punchy. I'm going to pull it here and turn around <laughs> <laughs> and then go the other way. <laughs> Let's go the other way. Let's pull over up at this gas station so that we can uh, come back out and take a right. Jesse Thorns, 360 degrees. Now I'm facing backwards. I'll call it three lefts or three rights. <laughs> three, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wait, that's not uh, even right. <laughs> no. Two lefts no, and a right not. or two rights and a left. <laughs> you oh, should wait, name no. things. Oh, that's not even right. Okay. <laughs> three rights and a left or three lefts and a right. That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't have the first 10 minutes of our podcast being you figuring out how to turn around in a circle. <laughs> I, I figured that we out. We just can't. Yeah. Uh, what's this podcast called? You know what, though? I will say this. I could do 600 episodes of this right now. Uh, That's a good kidding? way to make We're it to 600. 30. And it feels like yeah. it's never going to finish. Well, we're on 30, but it's just like, hey, if an episode, if all you have to do is say, okay, now how do I spin? <laughs> well, that's been it for this week. Uh, like, yeah, I could do that. I could do that 600 times. Absolutely. How do I spin? <laughs> is that what you said? Yeah, that's what I said. Okay. <laughs> that's also a good name for a podcast. How do I spin? Yeah, the O'Reilly Factor Recap Podcast. <laughs> Gosh, John, mad about you happened, didn't it? Yes, it did. Surprise is the Surprise. name of the episode. It it's aired on 11 11. Yeah, a very solemn and meaningful Veterans Day to everybody. That's right. Back then. Back then. <laughs> we have, we now, haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> now we are ahead of that. Yeah, we're going to hold our, uh, we're holding our reverence for another month right. and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Season two, episode eight of Mad About You. And what did TV Guide have to say? Jamie and Paul are separated en route to her surprise birthday celebration. Somebody yeah. must have been out sick most of the week because... <laughs> you think that's a little lacking? I just think if I was on, uh, on the fence about the show, I would skip it. Yeah, I think you might be right. It doesn't hook you. Too yeah. plain. Uh, that is some dry toast right yeah. there. How about Paul's special plans for Jamie's 30th birthday go awry at the hands of the MTA? Uh, the MTA is incompetent. Uh, well, it's not their fault, I guess. No, it's, <laughs> it's not. It's not their fault, the episode. <laughs> but how about their plans go awry? You know, Paul's plans for Jamie's 30th birthday go awry when, you know, some about the subway. <laughs> I'm doing this on the fly, okay? These people have a week. Do you want you know to be in it when, you know, the things go bad? What? Do you want the words you know to be in this summary? No, no, no. This is a first draft. This is a first draft? Okay. Yeah. We're just spitballing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But already that's better, I think. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. I, yeah, so I, I don't, don't like this um, one. This one's okay. soulless. So This one's got like, no heart. Oh, how many more you of these stupid no descriptions heart. can I write? Before we recorded this, Jen peeked ahead and she was like, ooh, next episode looks good. I remember this one. <laughs> She's like, you want to know what happened? And I said, sure. And she started reading a summary and it just went on and on and on. And she was like, oh, this is from IMDb. Oh. And I was totally, I was totally used to TV guides, little succinct things. It was like a novel, John. Yeah. And it was like three sentences there. It was a paragraph and a half. At oh, least. get out of here. Just watch the show then. Ah. <laughs> uh. Oh, I took a nap in the middle of yeah, it. Yeah, who are these people? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> they're novelizations of TV Guide descriptions. Yeah, they're amateurs. They're yeah. not pros. <laughs> Have you ever read TV Guide the book? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe they turned that magazine into a movie yeah. and turned that movie into a book. <laughs> Thursday, November 11, 1993. TV Guide the book. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I'll tell you, it's going to be a short book because if you're ready, yeah, I will tell you. 
watching NBC. Guess what? I have a little TV thing as a part of the news, so it'll be interesting oh, to see you? if uh, it overlaps. Well, it won't because I didn't cover the TV this week. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Music? Because TV? No, man. Video games? I'm, I'm mixing it up even more. We're going to do our very festivals? first... Festivals? Festivals? <laughs> like what? What festival do you think I I'm don't know, covering? like a Greek culture festival? <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Foods of the World or... <laughs> I know I typically cover what weird television show is on, but guess what? Pierogies, pierogies, pierogies. That's not Greek. That's Polish, you cretin. Yeah. Was that I too much? It is, John. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Uh. <laughs> um, no, um, the movie, a movie that came out the following day was Disney's The Three Musketeers. Oh, I don't want to close my eyes. Nope. That's not that's what that is. Armageddon. <laughs> That's Armageddon. Oh, just all That's for one, one thing. for all. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah just... <laughs> but in Brian Adams' voice. Yes, Charlie Sheen. That's the thing about this movie. Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sutherland, Oliver Platt, Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell, Tim right? Curry. Yeah. Yep. Chris O'Donnell was D'Artagnan. Uh-huh. Rebecca De Mornay. Oh was my. It. Uh, it's not De Mornay. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> De Mornay. <laughs> Did you see this movie? Of course. I was so excited for it to come out. And then when it came out, I saw it. I was it. too. Yeah, I and was then, too. You know, I remember. It wasn't. The preview was pretty. The trailer was really good. Trailer is great. Was fun. Really? I just wanted the movie to be the song. That was all yeah. that I wanted. <laughs> I think we just wanted a good music video. Yeah, that yeah. was it. Because then they start. first of all, so. Oh, yeah. Tim Curry's ever... Cardinal Richelieu. He is Cardinal Richelieu. Cardinal yes. Richie, Richie Lou. <laughs> Richie Lou. <laughs> he runs a nightclub called The Cardinal. Go with me. <laughs> The Bronx, 1958. <laughs> All my life, I knew I wanted to be a cardinal. <laughs> I remember seeing this in the theaters and being very excited going in and being very bored coming yeah, out. Yeah, that's how I felt. Where I was just kind of like... I. <laughs> I was sad that I, I think I thought that it was going to be all swashbuckling all the time. Yeah. And also that like when they had characters, I didn't care. I think when I was what? too young. Like the fact that they were just like, oh, I am Aramis. I am. Oh, you know, yeah. Uh, oh, great. I I'm am John. Like, Entertain me. What? Uh, yeah, I am a yeah, ticket, pay, basically. ticket buyer. <laughs> and also like Oliver Platt was not. Oh, like, I did gosh, not know who he was. Oh, I think I probably did by then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not know who he was. And I was just like, who do you think you are hanging out with Charlie Sheen and Kiefer Sutherland, Oliver Platt? Charlie no, Sheen must have been dearly. way older. Probably, yeah. Right, than the I other guess, two? Because so. Chris O'Donnell would have been like a kid, practically. Chris O'Donnell was very young. I mean, Charlie Sheen had already done a bunch of movies as an adult. Yes. It's like yeah, two I musketeers mean, well, and their musketeer uncle. <laughs> I remember one specific thing about this movie. The only memory that I have of the movie itself was towards the end. I'm pretty sure like all of the French are there and they're ready to attack and they all have their guns pointed. And our three heroes, probably four of them, all four, are just like, well, here we go to face our certain death. Okay. And they turn and they run towards the blast and everybody shoots. And there's a huge like pile of smoke. Pile's the wrong word. Huge amount of smoke. Billow? Yeah. That's a billow of smoke. Thank you. Now we're painting a word picture, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Huge billow of smoke. And as it dissipates, all four of them are walking towards the gunman still, having been completely unharmed. Uh, yeah. And I'm just like, how did this happen? Yeah. Wait, what? It's so, okay yeah, so to that duck. Happened. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like we would still think they were heroes if they ducked. I think you're right. And then yeah, and then the uh, the video for the single from the song written by Brian Adams called All for Love. Yeah. By do you remember who did it? Brian Adams. Do you remember who else? Because this was a huge thing. No, I remember the song. I thought it was him. Well, you don't have you don't have a song from the Three Musketeers and not have three singers sing it. Oh, Brian Adams, Celine Dion, and Andrea Bocelli. <laughs> that was not it. Okay, I hold on. Okay, yeah. I think you'll get it. Yeah, I think I get it. I believe in you. Brian Adams, Stevie Wonder, and Dion. <laughs> the old singer Dion. <laughs> <laughs> no. I like that version too. No, it was Brian Adams, Jefferson Rob's... Airplane, a... <laughs> all of Jefferson Airplane. <laughs> sure, Brian Adams. Who else? Brian Adams, Rod Stewart. Oh, and Sting. right. Oh gosh, wow. They got yeah. for everyone. They, yeah, the for, kids and for the moms. Every... Yeah. For, yeah, for every <laughs> variation of white person, they've got something. Well, they couldn't get air supply. <laughs> it's a pretty good music joke for someone that doesn't know too much. I cannot believe that if one of us was going to bring up air supply, it would be you. Yeah, I know, me. right? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That was, a, I mean, it was, look, couldn't it was a couldn't even name song. one air supply song. <laughs> yeah, you could. No, I I know if or I. No, you know, yeah. They do. I'm all out of love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. I'm so lost without you. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you're a big fan. Yeah, big fan. <laughs> Yeah, I grew my my mom especially was a big air supply, but I remember her always saying it with her accent, just air supply. <laughs> now, first of all, that sounds like ass apply, but just okay. when you're, I didn't think of that. Just like I always thought it was just air supply, air supply. That's what you oh, thought yeah. the band was called. I thought the band was called air supply, and then when I saw air supply. Yeah, but I was like, who is this? Russ, what it's is not this? like you met your mother at a business meeting overseas. She's your mom. Didn't you know there was an accent to begin with? Well, but, uh, <laughs> well, no. It was just the way, it was just my mom just talking. You grew up in Long Island. It, Didn't you know all of you people had accents? Yes, but how often do you do people from Long Island? First of all, I'm talking about when I was six, five, oh, okay, six. okay. Okay. So I'm not just like, oh, my mom says Six. words funny sometimes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, they were right. Yeah. As Supply was around a while. Yeah. Yeah. Long, long time. I think of them as mostly around the time of Three Musketeers. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So, yeah. So that's what was that's what was on TV that week. Cool. Were, were undoubtedly commercials for the Three Musketeers. Very interesting. Yeah, man. What happened in the news? From WNBC-TV, this is News 4 New York with Chuck Scarborough and Pat Harper. Dateline. Go ahead. Tussauds considers wax exhibition in Times Square. You hear that? Oh. Rise guys, rise gals. Get a notepad down because you're, you're going to want to write down the address. <laughs> Times Square. 214 the West. End. Oh, wait. No, that's not the address. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> This is from November 11, 1993. So mm -hmm. anyone tuning in to Mad About You that night was already in a good mood because they found out that a Madame Tussauds wax museum was coming to Times Square. <laughs> I can't believe they call, how not They called in their significant others. They called their significant others in from the other room. Honey, honey. Yeah. <laughs> Madame Tussauds opening. <laughs> call our travel agent. 
And they were like, don't waste my time with fake stories. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, isn't that? Because this is Dreams the, really uh, do come true. This is the uh, rebranding of Times Square. This is oh, the process. Yeah, sure. It says Tussauds might wind up as a neighbor of the Walt Disney Company reportedly interested in taking over the new Amsterdam theater. It sure was. And wow. it sure did. But this is very interesting because Giuliani gets a lot of credit for cleaning up Times Square. Yeah, but it was already in progress. It was already in progress. We are rewriting history. You're right. This is an exclusive. I know. Great, Russ. Well, That's great. Yeah, That's some good it. Cracker Jack reporting right there. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, everyone think, back off Giuliani, okay? He's got enough I think crap. I, I think I first heard about that from some like History of Broadway PBS documentary where they were talking about this very thing and they basically like whoever they were talking to like looked down the barrel of the camera and was just like so Rudy Giuliani gets a lot of credit for this but it was not his doing the wheels were already in motion really? like yeah <laughs> yeah oh, I love it I had no yeah I never put this together I think yeah. though they also covered in uh, Michael Riedel's phenomenal book Razzle Dazzle available in bookstores now <laughs> about the history of Broadway <laughs> in New York right I think we talked on the show about before we have yeah anyway yeah that's anyway. You're right. there's a layer to that I, I wasn't even because I was rushing through these so you know there you go I'm not going to catch everything, all right? Everyone back well, off. Well, hey, hey, baby, take your time and learn something, huh? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Slow down. Yeah. Slow down. <laughs> Read a thing or two. Uh, Dateline. <laughs> do, 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 do. Go ahead. New York City Marathon. After 9,319 mile run, 26.2 should be a mere stroll. Oh this was on November 10th, 1993. As Japan's demon drummers sprinted the final yards in Central Park yesterday, completing a three-year, 9,319 mile run around the perimeter of the United States, Sunday's New York City Marathon promised to be a less torturous race than a stroll down the driveway for the morning paper. Hey, I don't think I could do that. Didn't you believe that i'm gonna go ahead and say on record i couldn't run around the perimeter of the united states here's a quote after this only 26 miles will seem like dessert said marco leanhard 31 a swiss board member of the drum troupe <laughs> who is doing this this what is a they? japanese uh, drum troupe <laughs> I think if you run around <laughs> the perimeter of the United States, you're a Japanese running team yeah, that's who true. also drums. Yeah, that's true. The nine arriving runners had been through 28 states, 125 pairs of shoes, countless knee strains, untold cartons of aspirin and analgesic rub, running an average of 20 miles a day and as many as 40 arriving at the finish line of their odyssey only to prepare for another run. So look, so last week we talked about a couple that got married in the middle of <laughs> a marathon. And now like it's marathon season, I'm, Russ. It's marathon season. I'm pretty I really like the idea of people doing other weird stuff as they were like if these people were drumming. Yeah. As they ran around <laughs> the United States. I'm totally into it. Uh, drumming while they <laughs> run. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I thought that was a weird... I'm like, oh gosh, is John doing a Japanese accent? No, he's doing a bad balcony. And is, is he doing a terrible <laughs> one? No, it's not a bad Japanese accent. It's a very good balcony. <laughs> eh, I don't know if it's a good balcony. I knew who you were. Uh, I can do a pretty good Japanese accent. Want to hear? <laughs> 
No, no. Takayasu Den, 62 years old, who founded the drum troupe in 1969, smiled and admitted through a translator that, yes, running the perimeter of the United States was abnormal. After all, he was wearing socks and comfortable thongs on his feet, not a pair of running shoes. Wait, did he run it in sandals? <laughs> Yes, yes, oh, that is no. what he did. Oh, no. Also, he's 69? Oh, my God. I'm going to lose my mind reading this story. <laughs> All right, John. All right. It. I know this is going to be a little bit contrary to everything that I've said so far. Okay. Can you and I promise to each other right now that if you've never... All right, here we go. If you've never run around the perimeter of the United States by the time you're 69, <laughs> and I've never run around the perimeter of the United States by the time I'm 69, that you and I will run around the perimeter of the United States together when we're 69, and we'll do it wearing uh, flip-flops. Yeah, but I got news for you, pal. I'm going to be doing it a lot sooner than, than 69. <laughs> <laughs> so uh don't wait okay <laughs> i will not hold my breath but you heard it here folks this is a contract <laughs> the idea was to see american cities big and small spreading the tradition yeah i think i saw an episode of a Freaks and geeks about this. <laughs> Tradition of onde cosa, onde cosa music with its throbbing 700 pound barrel drums. I assume, I can only assume they weren't carrying the drums or like pushing these, the drums on a cart while they ran or something. <laughs> these people ran around the country. I'm not assuming anything. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I wanted to run it. Oh, the 69 year old did not run it. Oh, man. He said, I wanted to run, but I couldn't. These young what a people, wimp. Yeah. <laughs> 13 runners, age 15 to 29, set out from New York on November 15, 1990, and ran down the East Coast to Miami, across the Deep South and Texas to Phoenix and Los Angeles, up the West Coast to Seattle, across the Great Plains towards Minneapolis, Chicago, Cleveland, and finally back to New York. They ran on small highways, avoiding the interstates, except when it was impossible in Yuma, Arizona, and parts of Southern California. Oh my God, can you imagine? Can you imagine them running on an interstate? <laughs> The drummers stayed on a ranch in Sulphur Springs, Montana, bunked in a church in Roundup, Montana. Why are they only citing why Montana? Why are they in Montana? Yeah. No, why are they only citing Montana once? Yeah. <laughs> and stayed in schools, tents, a trailer, economy, hotel rooms, or the homes of people drawn to their <laughs> pulsing music and the inspired lunacy of their running. I think they were doing concerts at night. Oh, they gave 300 performances during the run. Many plans, some impromptu. Money came from ticket and t-shirt sales, donations, corporate largesse. The people of Crowley, Louisiana made the drummers honorary citizens. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, really, really, really pushing the envelope with the uh, federalism there. <laughs> Not federalism. <laughs> the artist colony of Hillsborough, New Mexico, made them feel as if they'd ended up at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. There are only about 173 people in the town, and 98 showed up for our performance. You said New Mexico, right? Yeah. Now that is not a border state, right? I believe it is, Russ. Is it? Is that on the southern border? Yeah. I thought it was above Texas. I'm I'm probably wrong. I must. Well, be. it's wide. Also, I don't know. <laughs> I'm looking. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it borders. It borders uh, Mexico partly. It borders Texas and half of its southern border is Texas, and the other half is Mexico. Okay, fine. Yeah, El Paso is right in the middle. On the border. Okay. I did not think that it touched the border. And then I'm like, you could not pay. If I'm running around the perimeter of the country, if they were just like, hey, we got a gig in Nebraska, it's like, <laughs> go to hell. <laughs> just the 
idea of 13 patient fit young Japanese man and you sweating, <laughs> screaming. I'm not doing it. We're playing a damn backing track. <laughs> I'm not schlepping a drum. I'm, I'm going to send him a signed stick and call it a day. Are you kidding me? What are we doing? If Ashley Simpson can lip sync, so can I. <laughs> Oh man! Wait, there's more though. Hold on. <laughs> this is our only. This is our only news segment for the week. I want to. Let's just keep going. In the desert from, <laughs> in the desert from Phoenix to LA, the temperature hit 110. When shoes blew out, strips of tires along the road made for spare salts. Oh come on, man! Four runners eventually dropped out at different points for health reasons. Most everyone had to walk for stretches to nurse a sore knee or a bulky muscle. Ryohei Inoue, Inoue, uh, whatever, limped across Montana, leading as long as 14 hours to cover 35 miles in a day. Is that oh even long? Uh, he walked 35 miles? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds... I mean, that sounds long. <laughs> Wait, there was some weirdly weird funny. It's not funny. Oh, yeah, this is not funny, but it's also crazy. <laughs> the running was not without complications. One runner was hit by something, dropped from a truck in Japan, and lost a leg before the trip began. Oh, my God. <laughs> Two months after leaving New York, the group had its trailer crunched by an 18-wheeler <laughs> on the North Carolina-South Carolina border. In Virginia. I... Oh, this one's. Oh, Russ. How is there not a documentary about this? In Virginia, several runners were picked up by the police as they tried to negotiate a five-mile bridge span that was off limits to pedestrians. <laughs> this is actually oh. one of the greatest stories I think we've ever read on the show. Ever. This is the best thing. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I love this. I love that idea of just, like, the cops just picking you up as you're just being like, hey, you're going to have to come downtown. And then being like, dude, come on, man. Yeah, and Let also, me explain like, was, what we're doing here. I don't, Do you it know? It doesn't say how good they're I mean, it sounds like they're they're very fluent in English, I guess, because every quote. Well, no, because their, their band leader was speaking through a translator. I'm just wondering if there was, like, a sure. language barrier. If there was, like... <laughs> Probably... Also, 93 in the middle of America to see 15 Japanese men running in the middle of the nowhere is pretty, pretty surprising. A little jarring, a little yeah. bit. Let, let me ask you this. How good do you think this band is? Very good. They're, you know where Very their run good. was? Carnegie Hall. <laughs> was it really? Yeah. Wow. They played Carnegie oh Hall gosh. on December 3rd. Okay. Oh, I they're playing you. it. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. How much of the fact that they're playing Carnegie Hall is the gimmick of, oh, also we walk around, we uh, we run around the country. We run the perimeter of the country and then we play Carnegie. You're not going to do that and then be like, yeah, we close up at Irving Plaza. <laughs> <laughs> All nine runners are fit for Sunday's marathon. After completing oh the run God. in Central Park, after the run, they will head to Brooklyn and do a concert at Grand Army Plaza. So they're doing the thing I just said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are. They'll take all gigs. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, December 3rd, Carnegie Hall. Unbelievable. Holy cow. We got to get a tour shirt. Listen. What's yeah. What's the group? What's what are they called? Their, their name's crazy. They're called the Demon Drummers. Oh.
excited about this, my new favorite band. I wonder if Gary's heard about this, these people. Oh, you know, we I might don't have know. to we might have to consult with him or bring him in as a as a running consultant while we have these marathon stories. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, holy cow! There's not much to say about the oh, last story. I'll just good. mention. Lo- no, no, no. Give me the give me the headline on TV this week. Yeah, Inside Edition, hosted by Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> Did a great did an interview with Son of Sam. Oh, and I found it online, so maybe we'll tweet it this week. I I didn't watch the whole thing yet. Very interesting. It's just very funny to watch an old news story. Like like it's <laughs> like the guy who interviews him like is driving to the prison. And he's smoking in his car, <laughs> speaking oh, wow. like mysteriously. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been following this guy for sixteen years. Oh God! But isn't Holy that unbelievable? Lord. The Demon Drummers. The Demon Drummers. Wow! Bravo, John. Oh, that was. They didn't wonderful. even know about Mad About You. Well, now they're gonna. Find find out because I'm obsessed with them and I'm going to hound them on the internet. <laughs> so I just Googled them. There's a story in the Times from 1978. Oh, I wonder if it's a legacy act. The followers of the Boston Marathon already know why the Ondekoza people are known as the Demon Drummers since the group first took part in the marathon in 1975. Ha! They've played at Tanglewood. Cool. Wow. Awesome. Fascinating. Anyway, that's uh, that's all the news that's very fit to print this week. Very fit to print. Holy moly. Great. Whoo. That's wonderful. I'll tell you what else is wonderful. This episode. Television show called Mad About You. Ah. Uh. I like this episode a whole, whole lot. You remembered you? it, right? You know, I didn't. At least the end? I did not remember. No, I oh. did not remember it. Oh, wow. Well, you'll it's never forget gorgeous. it now. It's gorgeous. Yeah, this is one what of a, my favorite classic ones. Yeah. Because it's so a, uh, in the city, which is amazing because it's fake. Yeah. They shoot yeah, in no. LA, but you feel like you're there the whole time in New York. Well, we thought on several occasions that it was a real location. You know, that they shot on location in New York, but I'm not positive about it. In not fact, a I'm pretty sure ch- they didn't. Russ, let me tell you, not a chance not in a chance. hell. Except the exterior. That be- well, like that's the, the thing. The B-roll, uh, I mean. The B-roll. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mean... <laughs> yeah, I'm like, John, I'm confused. <laughs> uh, the scenes outside the apartment, obviously, were shot on location. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything outdoors. <laughs> you idiot, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> it was directed oh, by uh, Lee Shallot. Chemel? Chemel? I don't know. We've had her before, direct. Okay. Do you remember? I believe I remember the name. Not, I, I remember yeah. you trying to figure out how to pronounce it. Yeah, do you remember? Did we talk? Oh, there's no way it's... Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> she, direct, okay. she directed a TV show called Three Sisters in 2001 that is in no way related to the play. <laughs> no, it certainly isn't. <laughs> Oh, have you heard of it? I think so, but more than that, I'm. I just know that there's no way that they made a TV show out of Three Sisters. Well, play. You, I mean, you could. It'd be like the Waltons, and they just okay. they want to go to New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. But she directed Suddenly Susan and uh, the Nanny Murphy Brown, so she's mm-hmm. very much in the and she, you know, she's a. I think we might have called her the Burger Queen, but I don't like that name. Her no. initials are LSC, which makes me think of Ken Kesey. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're gonna call her Lucy. <laughs> love it. This is a yeah. This is a real. I love Lucy. This is a real. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's her actual name again? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Lee Shallot Chemmel. Uh, Lee Shallot Chemmel. Lee Shallot Chemmel. I love Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> this is an I love Lucy. <laughs> oh, she directed oh. Bing Bang Boom. Okay, yes. You remember Bing Bang Boom? I do, I do. You got the bang, the bang, and then the boom. Another classic. Yeah. She's very good. Sometimes I don't even need the bing and the bang. Yeah. We made up the bing and the bang just to get to the boom. Oh, there you go. I couldn't remember the yeah. quote. <laughs> it's both. Yeah. 
and it was uh, the teleplay. This is the first time I feel like we've seen these credits where hmm. teleplay and story are separate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the teleplay was by Jeffrey Lane, who, uh, you know, is no stranger. Right. And uh, the story was by Beth Feger Falkenstein. Who is a stranger? Do you know who this is? No. You're going to get a kick out of this. Don't tell me what I'm going to get a kick out of. First off, I don't know what the deal is because she only contributed to one other episode. Hmm. And she has a very short TV resume. So I don't know what else she did with her life. <laughs> 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 Obviously something else. But I Googled her and what came up was a personal essay from 2015 commemorating the fourth, no, the fifth year of her brother passing away. Her brother, Doug. Ah. Does that ring a bell? Doug Feger of the band The Knack. Oh, wow. Who wrote and My Sharona. Was, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I know. I know The Knack wrote My yeah. Sharona. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, That's her brother. Wow. How about that? Weird, huh? Very weird. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it's a good song. Yeah. That's all. Thought that was a weird little connection. For sure. Don't know anything about her. Would like to keep digging, but who has the time? I don't. It's a beautiful personal essay. Oh, you read it? Well. <laughs> You're. <laughs> oh, the very... John. Get off my back. <laughs> <laughs> no, the first. I read the first paragraph. Okay. And then I, I skimmed it. Okay. I skimmed it. I. I'm not, ju- I'm not judging you. You put it out there. You volunteered information. I don't, I don't have I quotes asked, to read. I don't have full quotes, I, okay? I asked you a softball follow-up, and you are folding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful essay. Oh, was it? Back off, okay? <laughs> okay, let's just talk about this show. <laughs> Great. Cold okay, open. Okay, cold open. Jamie is looking in the mirror. We learned that it is just about 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And Jamie was born at 2.01. She is about to turn 30. What are you doing? Go back to sleep. It's 2 in the morning. I know. I was born at 2.01. Yeah, so? Shh, I'm watching myself turn 30. <laughs> She watches it. There you go. I mean, this is a weird scene. So Paul comes out and catches her doing yes. it and they talk. Yes. For a beat. And then it happens and she leaves. Like yes. it's very nonchalant. Yes. But it's Just weird because the-, the whole scene is set in the mirror. Yeah. Like the whole yes. scene, you only watch the mirror. Yes. Weird. It's a it's a a brief little little arty. I mean, it's a it is a little. He's cold it's opens. They've been getting arty. A little scene lit. Yeah, we had Citizen Kane last time. That's true. Now, That's I don't know, true, who, yeah. Hitchcock, maybe? I don't know. All sorts of mirror work. Yeah, it's all homage. It's <laughs> <laughs> all homage. I took a photo. We'll have to tweet. There's a mirror selfie I took of myself. I think oh, I went yeah? to ASCAT or something the night before I turned 30. I don't know. A UCB theater yeah, in New York? Yeah, I was going to ask you what you Do you remember did. that? I don't. I do not remember. I think it was the night before. It was apropos of nothing. I was just. I was. I happened to go with a friend. Yeah. But I remember I was in the UCB bathroom, and I think I took a mirror selfie, and I was like, oh, this is the last photo <laughs> I'm oh, never wow. going to take. So you did this. Basically. I did this basically. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Jamie and I, not as different as I thought. No, you're very similar. It is weird when people who were grown up, it's weird catching up to the people who you watched oh, on television. It's a nightmare. You mean because we're older than them? Yes. And they live I, in a mansion and have huge careers. And yeah, that's it. You and me it's host a podcast miserable. from our two. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, two little apartments. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. (laughs) I just just wanted to make sure I understood. The other day, Jen and I were watching an episode of Roseanne, and 
Roseanne is our age, and it Ugh. destroyed my life. Ugh. Well, it's just you, the why? Worst. Her life isn't enviable, is it? In the show, well, she has no. kids at least. Well, she's you she's happy. They're happy. <laughs> yeah, they're happy. You know. No, she does. She seems sarcastic. She's very sarcastic. Yeah. She see, she seems it because she isn't. We weren't Roseanne's allowed to watch show. it when I was a kid. We just didn't watch it. My mom was just like, "Oh, I don't like that show." And I was like, "All right." And now I watch it. I'm like, "Mom, you should have liked this yeah, show." It was a yeah, great yeah, yeah. Well, I so, think my I think our family didn't like it because they were slobs. I think and that I probably if that's, had a lot to do with it. Your mom yeah. too, right? I'm sure that yeah. that had a lot. Jews to do. don't like shows that don't have clean homes. <laughs> It's true. It's the same reason we don't like when Paul puts his feet on this on the couch with his true. shoes on. It's, it's just absolutely like, true. I don't want to spend time in that home. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, no, you have nailed it. That's totally. And that's what's why going Seinfeld. On. They knew you got to make Seinfeld a neat freak. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, his main demographics not going to. Yeah, tune they're switching off Roseanne. We got to give him something to watch. <laughs> Yeah, what did I do? Oh, I don't remember what I did around my 30th birthday, but I know my 30th birthday party was at, you were there, I believe. Oh, and uh, the, were, uh, yeah, the Cajun place on Night Dash. Yeah, we went to a, 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 That's a gone, place right? called the Delta Grill and it's gone. Yeah, I can't believe place it. In the city. What is it now? Is it Mickey Spillane's? No, it's, uh, I think it's a Chinese place. Oh, I could well. Be wrong. Uh, yeah. Either Chinese or Asian fusion. But yeah, Delta <laughs> Grill, the Garys were there. Super fun. Delta I Grill. To, yeah, yeah. It was great. Really fun night. Yeah. What else is going on? Oh, wait. Oh, that's... Mm, is that the year that I turned 30? I'm trying to remember. Ah. You got the birthday it. wrong? I just pulled up my old Google calendar. And it was July 15, 2013. And I just... I put an entry that started at 7 p.m. that just said my 30th birthday party. Dear God, help me. <laughs> I do remember having... Did you come? You put this in. To your 30th birthday party? You no, must. Um, wait, I stopped by early. Yeah, right at Tile Bar. You're at the bar. Yeah, I stopped by early. I talked to Manji for a little bit. Yeah. Oh, and we had rehearsal. The Gary's had rehearsal the day before. That sounds like a thing that could have happened. Yeah. Uh, and I went to New Jersey. It wasn't Jersey. Oh, that's right. I went to... Uh, anyway, now I'm doing uh, the boring bit. Okay, so... Uh, yeah. Great. So... Oh, and then that was uh, that Wednesday's when we did improv with uh, Will and... <laughs> Now, now Russ and I are just talking. <laughs> yeah. It's what we did school night, though. At UCB, oh, that's what, remember? Yeah, that, that, yes, I do. That came up recently on uh, Facebook. Ah, memories. Yes. Anyway, so well, what are anyway, we talking about? The show. The show. <laughs> the next scene? So, you want to do the next the scene? Ne yeah, let's... Or do you want to do the first scene again? <laughs> okay, cold open. Uh, so... Paul is preparing breakfast. Yeah. Yeah, he is whisking. He is whisking something in a double boiler. He turns to Murray and says whatever sauce he is whisking. Hollandaise. Says, it is hollandaise, yes. He says, does that look like lumps or on purpose? Yeah. Which is a funny That's way of funny. saying that. And <laughs> I don't know about you, but to me, it looked like puke. It looked garbage. Like, it, yeah, looked it did not look good. It looked disgusting. Yeah, it was really gross. Gross sauce. Yeah. Weak sauce, Paul Buckman. Oh, very good. Impossible. <laughs> and so uh, Jamie comes in and Paul says, I made my I made you your favorite. And Jamie starts guessing. And her first two guesses are, well, they're waffles is guess number two. Do you remember what the first one was? It was something else. Uh, no, I don't. But it was funny yeah. that all of the guesses were wrong. <laughs> yes. Until Hollandaise comes third. Well, no, he's or, like, uh, Eggs Benedict. Benedict, rather. And she's like, oh, and, my uh, favorite. My favorite. <laughs> Which is very funny. Classic. Yeah, they had some good yes. knock them up, set, set them up, knock them downs in this scene. Absolutely. And then, oh God, I love this episode so much. Paul gives Jamie the gift that his mom has sent. Uh huh, him. Sylvia. Hey, an answering machine. Okay. What? You don't see it. I don't. 
she calls here, you don't call her back, which of course means I never gave you the message because I'm so flighty and self-involved. You never should have married me in the first place. You got this from the box? Tell me I'm wrong. To my son's wife. <laughs> Holy moly. Uh, that's and how the card the, comes. Oh, uh, <laughs> the inferred backstory from Jamie. It's so believable, um, though. It's so believable, and it's so, like, I'm saying, like, I can definitely see me being like, oh, she made this whole thing up, and I can see people being like, no, this is what's actually happening. Oh, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. But I mean, oh that, we've, we've only met Sylvia once, but... That was enough. Seems like Jamie's yeah. got her number. Yeah, I believe, I, I totally believe Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it all is coming from a very valid place. Presents are, you know, birthdays are a great episode for a TV show, because the presents always lead to something funny that's true that'll that be that's true. in my book there you go <laughs> it's a clunky clunky title clunky, <laughs> clunky title so ira arrives and he has shown up to go with paul to get tickets yeah and uh paul wants him to keep his voice down ira gives jamie his gift he has bought her some new black high heels yeah kind of a intimate gift there i feel like you wouldn't think that he would do that for her well, but he also i believe yeah. he was, he's he's seeing the saleswoman yes yeah yeah so he got a discount on the shoes. and also i feel like they didn't even buy like i feel like i feel like they were just they took him off the back of a showroom or i'm sure i feel like right. ira doesn't pay for anything unless it's like that's fair that's fair <laughs> he's so wonderfully shady Jamie talks to Ira. He's trying. She's trying to figure out if there's a surprise party. Right. Classic sitcom trope alert. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. Where she does the I don't want a party. Uh huh. Yeah. I don't want it. This isn't yeah, real. I don't want it. Yeah. They do this in every single TV show. Do you know anyone who says they don't want a party but really means they want a party? Well, this is the thing. I don't. But I have had people say I don't want a party. But they have always meant they don't want a party. But exactly. Part of me, but part of me always thinks they really want a party because of television shows. Right. But it's like they definitely don't because otherwise you just wouldn't say anything. They, yeah. They never actually want a party. Yeah. But TV has painted this false narrative. Yes. For the sake of where, laughs. Yeah. Where people can't be believed at face value. <laughs> Sowing mistrust. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. So they talk a little bit about the surprise party. I don't want to have a party. The girls are going to give me this lunch, and then you and I will go out and do whatever it is we're going to do. Just promise me you won't make it a big deal. Yeah, hey, fair enough. Hmm. You have a great morning. I will. Honey? Yeah? You can make it a little big deal. <laughs> don't make it a big deal. You can make it kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, from there, we cut to the exterior of the St. James Theater. Ah, and Tommy's playing. The Who's Tommy. Did you see that? I feel like you would have because it's music. I did not see it. I... <laughs> Here's a funny thing about... Well, not really. A uh, couple of months ago, my uh, my musical improv team, one of my musical improv teams, the sequel, as you know, we make up sequels to pre-existing Broadway musicals. Yeah. And for Tommy, we, we practiced. We did a practice. And we were like, let's practice a rock opera. They're like, who knows one? We're like, we know Tommy. We're like, what happens? We're like, um, so he's molested, I think. Wait, what? Or he, wit he witnesses a murder. And we were like, one or the other, but not both, right? And we couldn't get it. Turns out we researched it later. It is both. 
Oh, no. Yeah. And because of those things, when he witnesses the murder, his parents kill people and, or, or kill a person. And yeah. Yeah. And so to he says, you know, you didn't hear it. You didn't see it. And it causes him to become deaf and blind and a mute. And uh, his only, yeah. And his only outlet is through playing pinball. Oh, right. Yes. And he becomes a pinball wizard. As they, oh, Paul describes it later. He sums it up in a very funny way yes, that we'll get he to. He does. It's very yeah. funny. But yeah, like. That's a crazy re- plot. Yeah. As we were recounting the plot, I was just like, and that happens in the first act. And I'm like, what happens in the second act? I was like, oh, nothing really. It's more it, pinball. It, it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it kind of doesn't matter. He like becomes a messiah figure. And also there are like three different versions of it because the Who recorded it as a record with uh, a narrative. Yeah, it's a concept album, right? Yes, a concept album. And it it's was... It's like Green Day's uh, American Idiot, which also played at the St. James Theater. Yes. And concept albums are tough to stage, and they're tough to have have an actual beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. Because... Do you think because their best medium is an album of music? Yeah, I, yeah that's what I think. That's exactly <laughs> what I think, I think. Do you think that's why the musicians chose to make a concept album and not a staged show? Not a show? Yeah, sure. That's where I am, too. (laughs) So it was an album. Then they turned it into a movie. Then they turned it into a Broadway musical. And all three of them are different plot and structure wise, at least a little bit. And all of them are basically like, yeah, the first act, a lot of stuff happens. Second act stuff is kind of uh, shaky. I mean, that's a that's a lot of like okay music. That's also plays. Yeah, that's also just. Yeah, that's like just any. (laughs) That's anything that's not great. Yes. Yeah, basically. <laughs> That's usually a main reason it's not great. Right. The St. James Theater goes back a long way. It used to be the Erlinger yeah. mm-hmm. in 1930. Hmm, I don't know. Sometime in the mid 30s, it changed to the St. James. It seems like it was built in the late 20s. That is an old space. What have you seen there? What have I seen there? I saw the producers there. Oh, boy. What a hot ticket. Yeah. I saw. Yeah. With the, I saw the. Yeah. Nathan Lane with, and. Uh... Yeah. I saw it with uh, them twice. Oh, brother. It was awesome. And I saw a funny thing happened on the way to the forum there. Oh, you're Lane. killing me. Yeah. I'm going to tell that story real quick because that's a great story. So I went with my brother and our good friend John into the city to go to the New York Islanders versus New York Rangers game oh, at classic. Madison Square Garden. Yeah, the Long Island Railroad yes. series. That's it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so we take the train in. We don't have tickets. And there's a huge rivalry between these two teams. And I am in early high school. I think I'm a freshman. Uh-huh. And we are dead meat coming into this thing. We all have very little money. Tickets, scalped tickets for this game should cost... Guess, a, a hundred? Is that what you're going to say? Should, yeah, I was going to say a hundred bucks. They should cost a hundred then? Bucks. Oh, yeah. yeah well, it was like 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, but we were like... Well, this was, this was like the height of their rivalry. Both oh, teams were good sure, at the time. Oh, sure, sure, sure. So we're like, real tickets are going to cost a hundred bucks. Wow. We, but we're like, but we can spend... 40. So we'll go and we'll see what we can get for sure. 40. So we get there and I am wearing, we are all wearing New York Islanders starter jackets and hats. <laughs> we are as green oh as it my gets. Gosh. <laughs> so somebody sees us and they're like, you need tickets? I'm 14. They're 19. Oh my gosh. We're like, yeah, we need tickets. He's like, all right, follow me. He walks us oh, around the perimeter this is great. of Madison Square Garden yeah. three times trying to find his guy. 
Okay. We're like, we're going to die here. Finally, he finds a guy. We're like, 40 bucks? He's like, yeah, all right. We give him 40 bucks per. There's no way these we worked. Get, and we get three tickets. And somehow our thinking went from, all right, real tickets are going to cost 100 bucks. Anything we get for $40 is not going to be a real ticket. Right. To... To, I can't believe we just got three real tickets yeah, for $40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, you see, because we're New Yorkers, they, you know, they knew they had to like pay, you know, they had to give us the real goods. <laughs> so, so see, it's we these go. jackets. <laughs> they knew we were messing around. <laughs> we go to grab some food somewhere, and I'm looking at these tickets in awe. Can't believe I got them. <laughs> And you tell yourself things. You're like, oh, wow. I never really realized that when you get tickets, they have like a sticker on top of them with all the information. Oh, my gosh. And like the bottom is like sometimes the text is kind of like cut off. Cool. (laughs) I guess that's how you know they're really real. Who's void? (laughs) So we go to the game and we give the tickets to the usher. And sure enough, he says... These are not real tickets. <laughs> you idiot. Like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> Go back he's to like, Long yeah. Island and watch it on your mother's television. <laughs> yeah. He's like, let me show you something. And he's like, real tickets, the way that the ticket information is printed on ticket stock, it's heat transferred. So if you were to hold a, like a matchup underneath it, you get a black spot. Whereas these, and he holds a matchup and he's like, this just burns. <laughs> and he like burns a little bit of the tickets Ugh. off. And I'm like, oh, geez. So we're like, well, now what? He's like, well, you can't come in here. So we leave. Wait, that's also the most old school way for anyone to make that point. Oh, yeah. Like absolutely. at Madison Square Garden yeah. for him to be like, oh, I'll show you how. Let me set your ticket on fire. <laughs> I'm going to burn these tickets in front of these kids. Yeah, I'm just going to teach a them a lesson. This way I'll get the point. So we get out and we're like, okay, it's like 710, 720 now. What do we do? And you're broke. And my friend John's. Right? My, we're broke. Yeah. My friend John says, I just got my first ever credit card. <sighs> Let's go see if we can get some tickets to his show. Oh, because he's 19. Because he's 19. So we went to a funny thing happened on the way to the forum and we're like, but it's sold out. It's huge. We're like, we're also very theater savvy. We're like, it's the hottest <laughs> ticket in town. <laughs> so, so we get there and they have standing room tickets available for either 20 bucks or 40 bucks a pop. Oh, beautiful. And so we stood and we watched Nathan Lane and Mark Baker and oh, unbelievable. So speaking funny. of Cousin Larry. So yes, yeah, speaking of Cousin Larry. Oh. Just insanely funny. An amazing, amazing night. I love it. I, would I love kill it. I love to see it. that production. Yeah. So sorry if that took a little bit of time and I know we haven't talked about yeah. Matt about Oh, that was worth it. It was directed by Jerry but, uh, Zachs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, who I love because, uh, you know, he's he's Mr. John Guare, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Is he really? Yeah, he directs all his old John Guare plays. Oh, you know, John Guare, uh, House of Blue Leaves appears in this episode. Excuse me? When they show the exteriors of, of all the theaters. theaters? Later on. Yep. No kidding. Yep. Yeah, that's a little weird. Huh? Do you think that means that I don't think B-roll... the timing lines up. But... Yeah, that B-roll was from the yeah, 80s? Was from 1985, <laughs> yeah. I think so. <laughs> Yeah, because it was... Oh, wait. No, that's super weird because it was at the Vivi... Oh, no, the Plymouth Theater. Oh, it transferred to the Plymouth Theater. Yeah. Is everyone enjoying this? (laughs) (laughs) Is this what you signed up for? Oh, my goodness. You know what? At this point, yes, it is. 
You know what, though? That makes <laughs> sense because don't you feel like when you saw that shot, it looked like a really old version of New York? Yes, yeah. absolutely. That shot absolutely. is, well, 93 to like 87. So, yeah, it's like six <laughs> years, but it's a key six years. That is true. Anyway, so we're at Tommy. Anyway, <laughs> so we're at Tommy. We learn, yeah. we learn that, yeah, we learn that Paul has plans for, you know, they're going to go see Tommy uh, and then they're going to, they're going to go to dinner at the rain. I mean, what a dream. That's such a great job, Paul. Great job, Paul. Good job. Kind really, of. Really, really good. He should have yes. just bought the tickets and not relied on Ira. Absolutely. Never rely on Ira, period. <laughs> yeah, end. right. But Ricky, the ticket seller, owes Ira because Ira stopped dating his sister. Yeah. I love how he's black. He's basically blackmailing the box office manager with his uh, libido. Yeah. Yes. I'll stay away from the girl yeah. you love. Or like extorting, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he says to Ricky, uh, you know, he, he says, I want some tickets. You owe me. And Ricky offers him $130 for two Broadway tickets. Yeah. Which makes Paul gasp because of how expensive it is. Yeah. You couldn't get that now for, well, well maybe back could, seats, but back not, row. Yes. Two best seats in the house yeah. for 130 bucks. No, not anymore. They'd be like six, not seven, eight hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the seats aren't together. Yes, he offers him tickets H1 and H2, which Paul quickly finds are on two separate aisles. <laughs> uh, which is true. That's yeah. the way they normally. And the it way is confusing. It's confusing. Odds and evens. Oh yeah, you're a box office guy. I am a box office guy. Yeah, yeah. all the time I have to deal with people. Yeah, <laughs> these aren't together. Oh, they are. I promise. So yeah, at that point, Paul goes back to argue, and Ricky says, "You know, you're gonna watch the show, or you're gonna talk." He's like, well, "I'm gonna watch the show." Like, well, then what do you? What's the problem? Yeah, because it doesn't matter if they're on, if they're separated. Classic uh, '90s comedy fodder. Absolutely, which I love. And then and then Iris steps in. Ricky, Ricky, how's your sister doing? Why? I don't know. I was thinking of giving her a call. All right, uh, come back 20 minutes before curtain. I'll see what I can do. See real hard, Ricky. I got a waterbed. <laughs> Next. I loved him saying, I got a waterbed. Yeah. It is so, so much. gross and mean and it's funny. It's so gross. It's yeah. so gross. <laughs> It's it's oh. awful because the I mean everyone it's one of those things where the even if you think about the implication for a second it's so horribly offensive. <laughs> it's really nasty. Yeah. Ugh, the subtext. Ira. The subtext being the things I'm gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh yuck! Now, so this guy Ricky, the box office manager, yeah, yeah. played by an actor named John Fleck. Okay, found a little story on hyperallergic.com, whatever that is. <laughs> uh, I don't okay. know, some pop culture blog, you know. Well, I fell down. A, this is the little hole I fell down before we. Yeah, were, because yeah, yeah. I saw that he did an off-road. He did a show at the public that was performance oh. art, and I thought. This has to be a different guy. But no, this guy is a diehard performance artist. <laughs> really? Who also does TV and sitcoms. Holy cow. Isn't that weird? Because that's very weird. Resume, this guy does not come across like a performance artist. No, he comes across as like your classic, like LA guest star. Yeah. Actor, you know? A Bobby Cannavale type. Yeah, yeah. Like he's in, you know, you look at his like TV and movie resume. He's just he's in a bunch of stuff. Right. You know, we've all heard of like uh, something here. Do we have <laughs> do we have a name? Do we have any names for any solo pieces? So this story that I found, the headline is the NEA 4 Revisited. 
Crossing the Line with John Fleck. Interesting. And then it says, photo of film screening of John Fleck performing in his work, Blessed Are the Little Fishes. Does that ring a bell? Yes. Yeah. He was part of these four artists, I believe, who... Look, I don't know the full story because I didn't have time to research it, but the... Yeah. Whatever. No, but, yeah. no, no. I'm laughing because I also think Blessed Are the Little Fishes may ring a bell because it's probably an allusion to the Bible. No, it definitely I is. I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm like, well, yeah, oh yeah, it sounds familiar. Like the performance art piece and also from the Bible. Look, all I know is the photo is of this guy sweaty and a dirty undershirt on his knees next to a dirty toilet. With a picture of Mary or Jesus on the top of the toilet seat with flowers like it's an altar. And he's holding a cross in his hand. Oh, man. And I'm pretty sure the NEA four are like four artists from 1989 that either got their funding revoked or something. Like, you know what I mean? There was probably some big outcry because they did something crazy. Holy cow. Fleck was in his car. Uh, Let's see. So the film, uh, blah, blah, blah. Fleck was in his car. This is a, an interview that they conducted in L.A. Shuttling between meetings. About a third of the way into the conversation, he pulled up in front of his building and continued the conversation with me from inside his part. Blah, 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 blah. Boy, that paragraph's unnecessary. Uh, <laughs> there are many things that artists do to make money to support them so that they can make their art. Few artists decide to make money in industries that are more punishing than this one, in which they make their creative work. John Fleck is one of those few. He supports his performance artist career through film and television work in L.A. There you go. But once you meet him, it all sort of makes sense. About a week later, I went to hear Fleck speak and see screenings of his two of his early pieces at the New Museum. Fleck is one of four artists known as the NEA Four, a group of performance artists who had their NEA funding taken away after Congress hastily passed wow. a decency clause. Oh, uh, wasn't one wow. Piss Christ? Was that that was probably Piss one Christ? of them too, right? Well, that, I think I feel like Piss that, Christ might have been a little bit later. Oh uh, yeah, it might have been a little bit later. <laughs> Have you heard Norm Macdonald talking about that one? No. On the dentist, it's the funniest thing I've I've listened to this clip like eight million times. I love Norm Macdonald so much. He's like, oh, I bet the devil has some performance art for you, and he's shoving some coal up your ass. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Uh. And despite salacious associations with the work, oh, and exaggerated descriptions of its content, it features nothing so much as Fleck. Oh, right. This person's like a very. Oh, this is also, though, crazy and interesting. Given the events happening in U.S. politics and the public hysteria around the AIDS epidemic at the time of the defunding, it's clear that it likely had more to do with Fleck peeing and spitting on stage while being gay. <laughs> and also his rock. <laughs> his riffs on Catholicism. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Look, a lot of people have riffs on Catholicism. I feel like like that shouldn't get lumped in, or maybe yeah, I, it should. I, also, I don't know. Just, I don't know how much more comfortable I'd be with a heterosexual man peeing on stage yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, and spitting in a dirty <laughs> toilet. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, By the way, it's not. It, I don't think it is Piss Christ because Piss Christ was uh, heavily rebuffed by Giuliani, if I remember correctly. Uh, well, was it? Or was that already in the works before he got the election? <laughs> well, you think he just got in there and said, hey, you know, you remember this? I didn't like it too. <laughs> anyway, so that little box office manager is a very controversial performance artist. Isn't that weird? I love the things we learn on this show. All right. Yeah, there's some so, weird gems today. So, oh my goodness. So we cut to lunch with the girls. Yes. And they're not talking about sex. They are not. They are making allusions to the Holocaust, though. That's, and they're saying very, like, funny, weird things about Ooh. their, like, Donna eats like a camel. 
Yeah. They're being very catty about very mutual catty. friends. Donna and Wendy are both terrible. And Jamie says something along the lines of, I think her family sold Anne Frank's parents the house they got caught <laughs> That's in. That's right. Something. Yeah. Holy <laughs> smokes. That's weird, man. Also, was Anne Frank <laughs> staying in her own house? That was not historically accurate, Jamie Buckman. Yeah, that's why I didn't laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. We also learned that Lisa's three years older than Jamie. Yes, we do, which I did not see coming. Makes sense, I guess. Like, adds to her being a mess, but... Yeah, yes, I didn't think of sure. that either. For sure. At one point, Lisa refers to one of those friends as a psycho, and she says this as she is licking cake off the blade of a knife. Yeah, that's with, right. Which makes her a funny little tidbit. Also, Fran is like, oh, Fran's like, oh, right, you're 30 now. Yeah. As if she wasn't like, I don't know about you, but whenever friends of mine are turning 30 after I turn 30, I'm so aware of it for months. Well, and I'm shouting sure. down the taste. Well, she said what she said. I hear what you're saying, but I think, you know, what she said was she was like, oh, she, she said, said, oh, I forgot about, you're oh, 30, right? Yeah, because she was like, oh, you've got it all figured out. And you're uh, oh, because uh, I think they were talking about weight loss. Yeah, they were. They she was like, well, eat. you can. You're like, in your oh, 20s. Well, you can. Yeah, you're in your 20s. Oh, wait, you're in your 30s. Oh, it's the first day. she was rubbing it in. Yes. Gotcha. Well, rubbing it in, but also just like, oh, she, you know, for the past however many years that Fran has been in her 30s and Jamie hasn't. Right. She's used that she's as used a, oh, to, you can do right, whatever. You're in your right, 20s. Right, right. So she said it and then caught, oh, wait, no, wow. you're not. Way to dig up that backstory. There you go. So, yeah. So Jamie has a little weird moment of vulnerability here for at least a, for a second because Fran and Lisa think that she's got it all figured out in her 20s, that she, you know, coasted through. And Jamie says, yeah, I'm unemployed and I have no idea what I want to do with my life. And it's just like, oh, wow. Huh. Yeah. That is sobering, Jamie. If you put it that way, yeah. Yeah. And Jamie then tries to find out a little bit more about this party that may or may not be happening from Lisa right. and uh, and Fran. And uh, Lisa is offended to have not been invited to this party that doesn't <laughs> exist. So then we cut to later. Yeah, it's that Paul, night. Yes, Paul is setting up the answering machine. And he's in a suit and Jamie's trying mm -hmm. on her dresses, trying to figure out what yep. she, she doesn't know what she's dressing for. Right. It is difficult because, yeah, how do you get dressed when you don't know what you're doing? Yeah. Paul says you'll be sitting down. <laughs> Yes. I don't think you'll want to sit for that long in that. And he's like, oh, I'm going to be sitting. He's like, yeah, well, you, most things you sit in. <laughs> Though they will also be dancing at the Rainbow Room. That is true, for sure. <laughs> Paul and Jamie have a fun little bit here for a moment where Paul says, you want to do the machine together? And Jamie says, it's too cute. <laughs> Which I'm like, yeah, it is, Jamie. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I like that'll that never happen them. again. Yeah. Because everyone has their own phones. That's very true. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having a cell phone with a shared uh, every other word yeah. kind of voice Oh, that'd be mail? great. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> this is Russ. And Russ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or it'd be like, I'm not here. He's not here. He's not here. <laughs> so then Paul ushers him out because they have to leave. Hey, you got to go. How's my office? That's that's good. That's perfect. We gotta go. Wait, wait, is it perfect because it's perfect or it's perfect because we've gotta go? Either way. What about my hair? Bring it. What if everybody else but me has dressy hair? Then one, then they'll point and left. They have to go. Gotta go, go, go. That's all I've gotta say about that. What was that clip? <laughs> I don't even know. 
<laughs> oh, it's just them. It's just them ushering out the door. Just him saying, "Come on, we gotta go. We gotta hurry." And you look fine. That's what it was. It's you look fine. <laughs> do I look fine, or do I look like? Do I look fine because it's time to leave? Oh, did you get this? So Paul's going through the answering machine directions, and they're obviously very comically convoluted. Sure. You know, press seven to rewind. Press eight to reset. Press nine to you know, right. And yes. for their passcode to retrieve mm -hmm. the messages, he says, yes. "Add four to Dave the Bush's jersey." Dave. DeBusher. Here we go. Dave DeBusher is He's a, a pitcher member. for the New York Knicks. Well, He's a MVP giant. What is <laughs> from he? From the New Jersey Generals. <laughs> uh, he's a player from the Knicks. Oh, really? Yep, you're right. Kind of, except for the pitcher part. There's no pitchers in basketball? <laughs> no, yeah. Well, that's he, that uh, famous uh, the... Tom Hanks quote. There's no <laughs> pitchers in basketball. <laughs> Are you pitching? Are you pitching? No, no I'm not. <laughs> There's no pictures in basketball. <laughs> I thought we were playing a different sport. <laughs> oh Did anyone ever gosh. tell you you look like a little pitcher with a hat on? <laughs> You're out of here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <sighs> so then Mule, we cut pitcher. So then we cut to the 14th Street Station. Yes. And this is where we get into it. The bowels of the city. Mm -hmm. Go with us. Uh-huh. And yeah, this yeah, is Paul where is this is where the episode starts to just sort of like move. Yeah. And like my Literally. notes break down and I'm sure you don't have that many clips, right? I don't have. I've got a few, but not, you know, it's like a lot of action. You know what? I've got a, I've got a, I've got a good amount, but we'll we'll get through it. Okay, but, well, uh, everyone, Russ started yeah. the episode before we recorded by telling me he didn't have that many clips as a warning. <laughs> And I assume. Well, yeah. Well, well, John, we're plenty. eight minutes in. We're eight minutes in. And I've had, I think, like I think three, four clips. Four. That's, yeah. that's not a little. It's good. But at eight minutes, it's a 22-minute episode. What's the last time we only had 12 clips? Well, with you weren't on the show, it, it happens a normal amount. With me running the show, well, I'm too anal to leave anything behind. Well, we'll see. We'll hit the sweet spot soon. So... 14th Street Station, Paul says, we're going to be late. We got to be there 20 minutes before we got to be there. <laughs> and Jamie's trying to figure out what the gift is still, what the plan is. And she says, I don't care what we do, just as long as we do it together. Uh -huh. Paul says, that's very sweet. And I still tell you nothing. Yeah. So that's fun. He's he's having a lot of fun with the fact that she doesn't know. I mean, you got to figure it's either a reservation or theater tickets. Probably. You know. Probably, yeah. John, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. I know what he got her. No, don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> so this the subway is interesting. Yes. We've talked about the old subway before because this is before yes. our time. Yes. I'm assuming they, they would be at their uh, like 14th and 7th, taking what is now the one to Times Square. This is un this is. This is not accurate, according well, to this episode. Right, but it might have been back then. I don't know. Because, you know, the IRT or whatever, I think... Well, was like the two, three, four or something. Well, here's what we know about this. Uh, maybe, maybe the IRT, maybe that'll get you through this. Because what actually <laughs> happens, I'll tell you what happens here. We're going to get to it in a moment. Okay. Paul, the, the train comes and it's the four. Yeah, the four train. The four train comes and Paul gets on the train and it turns out that instead of holding Jamie's hand, he's somehow <laughs> holding some dude's hand. Yeah, somehow makes no, I mean, I guess he just grabbed a hand. Yeah, grabbed a hand, gets on. He's not holding Jamie's hand. Jamie is a little bit behind him. First of all, also, none of these monsters let anybody get off the train before they got on the train. So they deserve everything True. that happens to them. True. That is just 
just common decency, people. And so they get on the train, and Jamie has not gotten on the train. She is stuck outside of the train when the doors close. And I laughed so hard when, I don't know, there's just something about that guy, the way that guy says when Paul asks, are you okay or whatever? And he's like, I'm fine. Uh, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, he had a very funny speech. Yeah. Uh, speech pattern for sure so we come back from commercial and yeah jamie's on the outside paul's on the inside they are trying to talk to each other through the door and paul says you you wait there and jamie thinks he says union square now here's where we get into it oh yeah because the 14th street station <laughs> yeah. at which the four train arrives yeah. and departs yeah. is union square in 2017 are, it is in 2017 those are synonymous it's 14th street union square that is right now i don't know if that wasn't the case back then but i tell you now these writers look foolish well, that doesn't even bother me that much compared to... Oh, John, I'm going to tell you, it bothers me a great deal. <laughs> it's the last note I took, and I burned my note. Uh, <laughs> oh, is that what you sent me the letter saying you quit? Uh, I said if this was a real ticket, it wouldn't burn. <laughs> and then I set it on fire. <laughs> Let's see. One, two, three. Yeah, see, back then there was still a nine train. Yes. Oh, you knew that one. Okay, I didn't know that one. Yes, there was a nine train when I was here. Gotcha. In 2003, 2004, or 2004, 2005. It does look like you're right. <laughs> it was Great. A, yeah, it was a, it, nothing has changed, I think, at Union Square between 93 yeah. and now, I think. Oh, man. Maybe in the 70s it was different yeah. or something. So here they are saying, okay, we're at 14th Street. I'll meet you at Union Square. And I'm just like, you're there. <laughs> It's the same place, you dummies. You stupid idiots. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking right now at an old map. The fort definitely hits 14th Street. <laughs> oh, uh, That's too bad. So, so the rest of this episode, when we talk about all the back and forth, it, it, it contains an well, asterisk. Russ, Just, I yes. mean, that makes sense. But what bothered me even more Please. was when the train pulls away, and Jamie uh -huh. turns to a stranger and asks, yes. where is Union Square? Also true. Yeah. Uh, it's hey, Union Jamie, Square. it's the place that you took those engagement photos at that we sit through <laughs> every opening <laughs> of the show. <laughs> it's the you place that's an it. eight minute walk from your apartment. Yeah, you can see it from your home. Yeah. <laughs> you know where it is. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. <sighs> Yes, these are some gaping holes. Boy, oh boy. So Paul takes the train to Union Square, I guess, and he sees a, he gets off, and on the platform there's a doo-wop trio. Yes, called, called Suave. Called Suave. Do you know them? Name. Sure, they're named after a shampoo. <laughs> the credits... The credits of Suave, did you look them up? Mm -hmm. I did not. I did not look at them. They were in the Mighty Ducks. Were they really? Yeah. How cool. Doo-wop singer. One of them, I guess, was in the Mighty Ducks, but it's credited that it doesn't yeah. split them up on, on IMDb. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, oh, I guess that's it. And the Los Lonely Boys video, that rings a bell. Uh, they sang Heaven? For Los Lonely How Boys? How far is heaven? No, they wrote. Oh, they were writers. They wrote Real Emotions, Nobody Else, Velvet Sky. I don't know what any of this means. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, great. Mighty Ducks, though. That's fun. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Anyway, that's all. Yeah, so they sing. 
Paul gives them a tip. They sing songs uh, such as I Lost My Baby yeah. and Searching, <laughs> doo-wop classics. Very on the nose. Very funny. <laughs> Just rubbing it in. Yeah, for sure. And The so uh, Paul, chorus, if you will. Yeah, Yes, they are a Greek yeah. chorus. For We're sure. staying on that philosophical theme. Mm, I like it. <laughs> it's a week too. Ancient Greece, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. St. James Theater, Tommy, go. Russ, Rice <laughs> <Boom>. Guy. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Third base. Yeah. <laughs> so Paul has to go. He has to use a payphone and he is out of change. And so he goes and retrieves the tip that he left. Yeah. And he makes a phone call. Honey, it's me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're going to the theater. I'm taking you to see Tommy. That's at the St. James Theater, 44th and 8th. Meet me there. Is that soup? <laughs> What is that soup? That's a funny thing that to say about my, what might uh, be on a receiver. You know I, how I said all Jews talking is my ASMR? Uh-huh. Jews saying the word soup is my ASMR. Oh, with a bullet. Uh, like an old man returning soup at a deli. deli. Uh, so uh. good. So then we cut to Jamie, and Jamie has a similar situation where she has to check the voice messages. Code. The code. What's the retrieval code? Uh, four, and Dave the Butcher's jersey? Excuse me, do you know Dave the Butcher? Do, do you know Dave the Butcher? I don't eat meat. And she can't remember Dave the Butcher's jersey. Yeah, what did she call him, Dave the Butcher? Yes, yeah, Dave the that's Butcher. That's very funny. Yeah, she asks a dude. <laughs> and he doesn't eat vegetarian. meat. <laughs> That's very silly. They cast him perfectly. Mm-hmm. They sure did. If there was, did you recognize him from uh, Yuli's Gold? No, I did not. As, as the casting associate, on, on if you Gold. can believe it, I did not recognize him. He's a casting. He's a casting director. Oh, he uh, was a casting associate on Jimmy Click and La La Wood. So, okay, <laughs> him to thank. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, we'll get we'll get you guys in touch. His name's Bill Ingram. Okay. And, oh, wait. Uh, are we done so, with yeah. the creep on the train already? Yes, we finished the creep. Oh, he's so funny. Did we talk about him? We didn't talk about him. We did not talk about him. He asked Paul out to dinner. <laughs> he does Remember? ask Paul out to dinner. He's yeah. like in love with Paul. He just asked Paul, yeah, you want to go get some, you want to get something to eat? He's played by comedian Mark Schiff. Okay. Who I found on Twitter, who we'll have to reach out to. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to talk to him. Oh, this guy was a writer on Roseanne, Speak of the Devil. He also oh, appeared cool. on Dr. Katz. Oh, love uh, Dr. Did Katz. all those old classic comedy shows that we grew up liking, I think. Well, you know, like Comics Unleashed. Remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tonight Show, he did a couple. He did a couple Carsons. Oh, he did. Oh, he performed with Johnny. That's awesome. Who cares? <laughs> what is that? Who cares? Paul Reiser cares. He's got a show about how much he cares oh, coming out. I can't out. wait, actually. Yeah. As, oh, get uh, this. He was on an episode of My Two Dads. Oh, cool. Do you want to talk about my two dads? Nope. <laughs> okay. This Rest, has been another installment of Why Don't We Talk About My Two Dads More. <laughs> is that what the segment was called? Something close to that. Now, this episode that he started is called The Rose Guy, and I think it just means The Rose Guy, but I can't separate it from Rise Guy in my head. From Rise, yeah. It's a, it's a nod. Yeah. It's a subtle nod to us. <laughs> 
So, uh, Paul, who's on the phone now? What are you talking about? <laughs> What's happening now? So, Paul gets on the train. Yes, he's like, as... oh, because the message he leaves is meet me at the theater. Yes. And he waited long enough, and he was like, I should go to the theater in case she gets the message. Absolutely. Right. And so, he gets on the train, and as he's getting on the train, Jamie's getting off the train. Ugh. They have a serendipity S moment. So frustrating. A sliding so doors moment? What? what... <laughs> no. A serendipity moment? Well, serendipity was about the... was was. Just John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale just missing each other for an hour. Oh, and a I half. guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And Paul wrote his phone number down on that uh, dollar he put in the hat. <laughs> right. Yeah. He, he, he looked to those three doo wop singers and said, if it's really love between me and my wife, she'll find this. <laughs> and then Mr. Bean showed up. <laughs> Uh, he's not in that movie. Mr. Bean is in Serendipity, yeah. No, he's in Love Actually. He may be in both, but he's definitely, he sells the gloves. He's the guy who sells the gloves. What gloves? Yeah, the gloves that are important in Serendipity. That's how they meet at the beginning. They both try to buy the same pair of gloves. Hey, I got news for you, pal. I'm What's on up? Rowan Atkinson's IMDb page. First off, didn't know he was Zazu in The Lion King. Second yes. off... <laughs> There is no serendipity on his IMDb page. Keep looking. No, I am. I'm I'm doing at Command F and typing Saren. <laughs> well, call me back when you're right, Dippity. <laughs> <laughs> Dippity! <laughs> Dippity doodah! <laughs> is he not in it? He might not be. He's not. It. I don't know what you're thinking of. I'll prob probably think of Love Actually. <laughs> yeah, he sells him jewelry in Love Actually. Maybe that's it. I think you're thinking of that bit, though, and he takes like a really long time and he sprinkles in glitter and he does the ribbons and, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, you idiot. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, dippity. Oh, oh. You know who it Eugene is? Eugene Levy. Yep. Eugene Levy is here. You mixed up. All right. You might be the first person in the history of the world to mix up Eugene Levy and Rowan I'll bet they Atkinson. Get it. I'll bet they get it all the time. <laughs> so anyway. Ugh. So Jamie gets off the train. She calls Ira. And uh, yeah, it goes like this. Hello? Ira, it's me. Hey, how's the shoes? Fabulous. Listen to me. Paul and I got separated on the subway, and he told me to meet him at Union Square, and he's not at Union Square, so I guess he didn't tell me to meet him at Union Square. So I can only figure he must have gone to where we're going, but I don't know where we're going. So where are we going? <laughs> nice drive. No, Ira, I'm not kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where is he? In the bathroom or something? Ira? You are such a minx. No, wait, wait, wait. Would you just let... Happy birthday. Have no, no, a good... No, 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 Love when he calls you her a minx. You are such a minx. Yeah. I also love his apartment. Yes. <laughs> it felt I like George's apartment. I feel like that's the whole thing. Yeah, it is yeah. like George's apartment. You're right. Just the yes. recliner. Yes. Jen pointed out that she picks up, uh, she says, Ira, it's me. They have an Ira, it's me relationship. Yeah, that's true. Interesting, huh? Yeah. Well, he's been in their lives for eight episodes at least. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So. I wonder if she had that with Selby. Who? Selby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Who's Selby? Oof, oof. It hurts. It hurts to joke like that. So. He's our Selby. Paul, he is our Selby. Paul arrives to get tickets from Ricky, and he had better tickets, but he sold them because Paul arrived late. Yep. Which causes Paul to tear off Ricky's clip-on tie. <laughs> and also inexplicably there are jugglers yeah so this made me wonder what time it was i don't know man because it wasn't busy outside so it wasn't like right. people were still funneling into the theater 
But I think people was, were yeah. standing outside, like, you know, six people. I think we can call this 80, like, this is 805. Okay. 805, 810. You know, when everybody who's going to see the show has basically sat down and the only people out in front are jugglers. And also, it's like, that five time. people just sort of <laughs> yes. watching. Yep. Yeah, jugglers and juggler fans. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. So then we cut back to the apartment where Jamie has showed up to change shoes and check her messages. And it goes like this. Honey, it's me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're going to the theater. I'm taking you to see... What? What? You're taking me to see what? Oh, God, I hate his mother. God, I hate his mother. <laughs> That, that was great. made me laugh out loud every single time I watched it. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Oh, we cut back and Paul is weaving his way through these jugglers. And then we see just New York City and we hear Jamie yelling for Paul. Yes. In 1987. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> She's yelling through the ages across time. How Greek. <laughs> And well, you know, if so, you yell loud enough finally, at Times Square, people can hear you from blocks away. <laughs> that's, I guess that's true. Yeah. I, or something. <laughs> so eventually, he does. And he makes a very silly joke about Tommy. Did you catch that? Uh, the description of the show? She says, where are you? And he says, I'm at Tommy. And then he says, Jamie, can you hear me? That's oh, from Tommy. Oh, that's very One good. Of the, yeah, the refrain is, Tommy, can you hear me? Oh, that's very they good. They say it all the time. I didn't yeah. know. I've never listened to Tommy in my life. It's good. Oh, really? It's real good. Eh, yeah, it's really I'm, good. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'd rather listen to a funny thing again. Sure, that's that's fine, too. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, Paul summarizes the beginning of Tommy by saying, you know the story? Uh, he doesn't hear, he doesn't see, but also, he doesn't tilt. <laughs> really? The, it's, uh, the, I don't know why. It's not particularly clever or genius, no. but it is my, exactly no. my kind of joke. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. It's a great little bit, for sure. <laughs> So Jamie arrives. She is fed up with just everything that's happened. And she says regarding, she's like, I went back to check the machine. Can we discuss your mother? <laughs> that's right. And then they try to go in and get the tickets and sit down. And Paul says, okay, I'll see you later after the show. Says, whoa, 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 what's going on? Paul explains they're not sitting uh, together. Man. Because Ira got the tickets screwed up. And Jamie says, can we discuss yeah. Ira. Oh, it's so good. It's really funny. It really and stung then, more than when I first watched it, like, years ago, because now yeah. I understand what a, like, you know, he planned a special night for her 30th birthday, and it's a disaster so far. It's really bad, and it's hard for both of them. Yeah. I feel terrible for Yeah, because he had so many plans. Them. He did. Rainbow Room, that's a, not easy. Yeah, yeah, not easy at all. And he tried really hard. And she's not happy about it. And or she's not happy. And that's a tough spot for him to be in and a tough spot for her to be yeah. in because she's not happy. She wants to be happy. And <laughs> things have gone to hell. I need to explain the premise of happiness to yeah. you and the <laughs> listeners, I guess. <laughs> but here's what Paul's thinking. Let me just go home. Why? 
Why? Because this whole thing is just too much trouble. Oh, tell me about it. You know how much I went through to plan this thing? I'm sure you did. I, no, I don't think you really understand. I, you know, you wanted me to surprise you. So first I was going to give you this whole party, then you didn't want a party, so there's a week of my life right there. And then I figured <laughs> the Berkshires, then I figured not the Berkshires, then I figured, all right, so we're going to be in the city. What are the choices? We can eat something, we can watch something. So I decided theater, then I decided Tommy, I narrowed it down to Tommy, then I make reservations of the Rainbow Room, and now what are you telling me? You don't want to participate? Don't yell at me. I, I just said I want to sit with you. What is the big deal? Are you going to watch me or the show? No. Are you going to talk during the show? No. So then why are you making me crazy? You know what? I'm going home. Oh, is that the shoe oh, clip? She just wants to go home. She just wants to go home. Yeah, that's a that's a nightmare. But I also yeah. get her perspective. Because it's only going to get worse. Everything's, yeah, he's been trying so hard and she's just done. And that happens. And uh, so Paul gives the two tickets to the jugglers who take a look and say, hey, these aren't together. Oh, absolutely. Paul and Jamie then are on the subway standing and Paul feels somebody holding him by the butt and says, I really hope that's your hand on my ass. And Jamie says, it is. She as, doesn't want to lose him again. As it was in the last episode. Yeah. They had that, like, sad... They just really had that sad, tired subway mm -hmm. look. Yeah. That was you great. Yeah. And then, oh, they're tired and they're done and they're trying to just like, you know, Paul apologizes for the way that things turned out and for relying on Ira, which is never a good idea. And uh, that gets Jamie's wheels turning. I'm sorry about tonight. It's all right. No, I should have planned it better. Two seats, not together. Come on, who does that? Okay. Okay, what? Nothing. Nothing what? No, never mind. Fine. Fine what? Are we talking here? Don't worry, I will act surprised. Oh, there's no party. <laughs> listen, listen to me really carefully. There is no party. That's good. I didn't want one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought this was going to go longer than it did. Yeah. Yeah. Like he talks her out of it pretty quickly. Well, he, I mean, he just looks her. I mean, right he has the, the most real. Yeah. Right. You know, he looks her right in the yeah. eyes and says, there's no party. And you can just see her kind of deflate. Yeah. But also like, you know what, Jamie, then don't say you don't want a party. Oh, like I, I don't feel bad for her. <laughs> yeah. It makes me mad, actually. But she's sad about it, but she literally asked for it. So, <laughs> drop my water. There you go. <laughs> Thank God the lid was on. I'm very glad. I would have broken the same laptop again. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul checks in with Jamie as they're walking through the 14th Street station. Not the Union Not Square. Not the Union station. Square. The other 14th Street that the force the other one. At. Yeah, Paul says, You don't want to do anything? Jamie says, Let's just go home. I can break my new answering machine. <laughs> and um, Paul has a very bright idea, and he. <laughs> Paul, he is suave very and he idea. tips suave yeah oh very good oh what a suave reference Russ. <laughs> he gives suave a little bit of money and uh he says to jamie as he sits down on the bench at the subway station got us two seats together and they sing in the still of the night and paul and jamie kiss on the bench and isn't that sweet isn't that a lovely yeah. touching oh love it and that takes us out to the tag, and the tag is super fun. Tell me why I love you like I do. Tell me who can start my heart as much as you. Why do I know? Tell this? me all your secrets, and I pay almost our mind. They say nobody's perfect, but it's really true this time. 
It's great. That was yeah. a lot of fun watching watching Paul just get big eyes as he eats a hot dog when the name of the show comes up. Yeah, I also love the idea that if you think about it too hard, it's like, oh, so they went out of the subway, <laughs> got, got food, and then yeah. brought another yep. token just yep. to come back in. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're hungry, but this is our concert. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah they took an intermission. <laughs> and that's how the episode ends. This is, it's so tight. It's very dramaturgically sound. Ah. You know, the, the shoes are a gift, the shoes break. The answering machine is a gift, the answering machine screws everything up. We come back around to Ricky, who brings up the 20 minutes late thing again. The doo-wop guys come in early and then tie things up again later everything there are no loose ends in this episode wow it's really it feels like a little mini play i thought i I really really like i wonder if some of that is uh beth feger falkenstein's uh (laughs) story writing could well be could be could be another wonderful bit from uh who knows how much the hand of i love lucy was in on this one well i love lucy definitely did a great job with the shooting oh for sure i, I, I watched the subway moving a bunch of times to try to figure out if it was really moving yeah it must have been but also that's just so hard to believe but i was like that's more likely than moving the background i think i don't know they could have had because i was like was jamie uh, faking it and were they rolling the background i don't know it's a great question i don't it's a great question oh man it's a great question <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh right Rise, guys. Rise, gals. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to us one more time. You can talk to us. You can rate us and review us on iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. Yes, Stitcher, Let people know that you listen. Yeah, let people know that you listen to this podcast and that you like it. Yes, spread the word. We like you, and we tell everybody we know that we like you all the time. So we only ask that you do the same for us. Absolutely. It's only fair. It's only fair. Also, you can uh, email us at madaboutyoupod at gmail.com. You know, send us letters, Mm -hmm. thoughts, suggestions, things you hate, things Mm -hmm. you love. Uh, You can tweet Mm -hmm. at us at madaboutyoupod. You could Facebook us at madaboutyoupod. Yep. Well, that's it for now. Website coming soon. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. As long as I keep saying that, then I have to do it. <laughs> there you go. Keeping you honest. I'm excited to get Fantastic. that thing up there once we, you know. It's going to be good. Yeah, a little central hub. Also, yeah. nobody knows this. I'll just say it now. I am one of the, uh, oh boy, I don't even know what you call it. The subreddit, the Mad About You subreddit that has like 13 people. I'm oh, one yeah? of the uh, people that can uh, edit it now. Like I'm a, what are they? Oh, I don't know. Whatever oh, they call it. A mod? Are you yeah, a mod? You're I think a moderator? I'm a, I, yes, yes, a mod. Yeah, I, I, because I asked like a year ago, like whenever we started this, I asked the guy if I could be, and I was like, oh, I'm going to put some time into this, and then nope. Because this podcast <laughs> took more time than I thought it would. But, yeah, yeah. But yeah, did. if anyone, uh, that's awesome. If, if any of you are Reddit heads, you know, get on there and I'll notice, <laughs> and uh, you know, we could get that thing yeah. going again because right now it is dead. Oh, also. Exciting news. Mm-hmm. Thank you all. We passed 10,000 downloads. Yeah, that's so cool. That's a milestone. Thank you all. Yeah. 
that makes us feel really great. Yeah, and in case so, any of you think you're the only one listening, you're not. Yeah, it's true. You're not. There's we, a uh, little community. We, yeah, we tend not to talk numbers, but uh, we'll talk about that one because it's a lot of fun. It's, yeah. It's, it's big and it means That's a, a big lot fun us. number. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all very, very much for listening and sharing. We've got theme music. It sounds like this. John D. Ivy wrote it. Thank you to John. And uh, we have a logo and it looks like this. Except you can't see it because uh, this is an audio podcast. <laughs> Nathan Diffie made it. D-I-F-F-E-E. He is wonderful. Thank you, fellas. And we have uh, sound mixing that you've been experiencing uh, this entire podcast. <laughs> which <laughs> is done by Vuki Vanovich. Thank you. Thank you. Boy, oh boy. John, I sure did like this. How about you? Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> rise, guys. Rise, gals. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Mad About Mad About You. I'm Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. And, and this, this is, is what, what we're, we're saying. saying.